part one of joseph conrad a personal remembrance by ford maddox ford this librivox recording is in the public domain part one section six Noestoff has always seemed to the writer to be a queer bleak whitewashed little old place from which to begin the conquest of a language a conspiracy against a literature a career of fame that became worldwide it used at any rate to be all that queer bleak whitewashed with flagstaffs coastguards high skies and northeast wind the writer must have been there first at the age of five or six and by stretching a point or so and ignoring a couple of years we used to arrive at the theory that coincidence had brought us together thus early that cannot actually have been the case when conrad first heard or spoke an english word the writer cannot have been much more than three so we may be said to have learnt grown-up english in about the same year but we used to keep a slight haze over our respective ages conrad was a little sensitive about his years towards forty-five and the writer did not then care besides conrad liked coincidences in our playtime he liked to amuse himself with resemblances between himself and other great men johnson collected orange peel and dried it so at one time conrad had done or he would find in memoirs accidental traits of resemblance between himself and napoleon louis the eighteenth theophile gautier or general gollefet he would look up from his book and read the passage out with hilarious pleasure he liked as has been said to think that at one of the chippendale desks that we had at the pent christina rossetti had written and in another given to the writer's father as a wedding present carlyle who was its donor he would say that heart of darkness was written on the same wood as rest rest a perfect rest shed over brow and breast her face is towards the west the peaceful land she shall not see the grain ripen on hill and plain she shall not feel the rain upon her hand and the end of the tether before the glass bookshelves that had seen carlyle write the french revolution it did not matter that christina wrote most usually on the corner of her washstand or that carlyle had bought the desk at a second-hand dealer's in the street next tight street chelsea it made indeed no difference that he disliked the work of carlyle or thought christina the greatest master of words in verse the lines just cited were the only english poetry that the writer ever heard conrad quote he had literally no ear for english verse but there heart of darkness had to have been written and there the poem here the end of the tether and here the french revolution it was like building retrospective castles in spain it was squeezing the last drop out of the subject so with our coincidental careers the coincidences had to be there for moments of elation the writer after our visit to mr wells happened to ask whether the great storm in which conrad had come up channel for the first time had been identical with the great gale that had wrecked the Plassey, and immediately it had to be it could not have been by seven years or so but it was for the rest of our lives it had to be it shall so with lowestoff 
conrad could bring himself to remember there a little boy with long golden hair a bucket and a spade who used to march up to the young able seaman and ask him questions in an unintelligible tongue and indeed in moments of great effusiveness patting the writer on the shoulder conrad used to assert that it was one of the writer's books seen on the bookstall of geneva railway station that had first turned his thoughts to writing english as a career that might indeed have happened but one detail of conrad's narration was too much for the writer's bibliophilic prudishness though he would connive at any time at the twisting of manageable years between two friends but several times before the discovery of this immense coincidence conrad had related how he had stood on geneva railway platform looking at the bookstall and idly wondering what he was going to do next with his life he had been recovering from an illness in the same hydrotherapy as that in which maupassant died another coincidence he had seen a row of small canary yellow remember the canary yellow volumes they were the works of the pseudonym library that mr garnet had fathered about the colour and not much larger they were then a packet of maryland cigarettes at one franc fifty but they were famous throughout europe there was no railway bookstall on which you did not find them and looking at them conrad said why should i not write too the writer's third book had been published in that very year fathered too by mr garnet issued by the same firm in a series called the independent library it might very well have been on the bookstall the series having been intended for foreign circulation there was nothing to make the thing inherently even improbable alas the writer's work was bound in a sort of decayed liver-colour the most hideous that the writer has ever even imagined so it couldn't be me as the old mare said but nothing would have pleased conrad's generous and effusive moods better than to claim the writer as his literary godfather he was like that years later the writer having landed in this country at rouen it occurred to him as his heel struck the key conrad began to write almayer's folly in the stateroom of a ship moored in this very port when he looked up from his desk through the porthole he used to see the inn at which emma bovary met her lover is that then this very spot do i then begin where conrad began that other battle in an interval the writer asked conrad whether these spots could be coincidental he at once began to be very animated on a drooping occasion yes uh, yes he said opposite the very spot two doors to the left of the road that goes up to the posta central my dear ford the very spot that coincidence the writer will not attempt to disturb conrad landed then at lowestoft when the writer was about three and conrad himself not much more than twenty the writer is fairly certain in eighteen seventy seven here he heard his first english words to recognize them they were eggs and bacon or marmalade sitting in the bar of a public-house he had been taken to by an old gentleman who eventually invited him to stay every morning at breakfast the old gentleman uttered the above morning shibboleth of england and then went to his business 
he was the proprietor of the famous lowestoft pottery works so eventually conrad served his time as a boy on a brig owned by the pottery proprietor it made fortnightly voyages to newcastle for coal needed by the pottery in such coastwise service he passed the time necessary for him to become by turn a b second mate and master he became a naturalized british subject just before passing for master it was during all these years that he read men at sea read an inordinate amount during the watches when they are off duty they can if they are so minded sit about by the hour with books engrossed like children a large percentage of the letters received by writers from readers come from sailors either in the king's or the merchant service conrad had a great many such correspondents one of his own a naval officer the writer curiously shared with conrad as each of our books came out he would write to its author from off gibraltar from the china seas from some pacific station very good letters he seemed to have no idea of any relationship between his two addressees but as he never gave the name of a ship neither of us ever wrote to him his letters ceased after nineteen fourteen it was conrad's great good luck to be spared the usual literature that attends on the upbringing of the british writer he read such dog-eared books as are found in the professional quarters of ship's crews he read mrs henry wood miss braddon above all miss braddon the family herald rarely even going as high as the late william black or the pseudo-literary writers of his day he once or twice said that going down ratcliffe highway he was jumped out at from a doorway by a gentleman who presented him with a pocket copy of the english bible this was printed on rice paper he used the leaves for rolling cigarettes but before smoking always read the page so he said he learned english the writer has always imagined this story to be one of conrad's mystifications normally he would express the deepest gratitude to the writers of the family herald a compilation of monthly novelettes the grammar of which was very efficiently censored by its sub-editors and above all to miss braddon she wrote very good very sound english machined her plots inoffensively and well was absolutely workmanlike her best novels being the later and less known ones long after this period of seamanship conrad read the orange girl a novel placed in the time of charles the second he recognized in it so he then said all the qualities that he had found in this novelist's work when he had been before the mast miss braddon learned greek at the age of eighty in order to read homer in the original she died only very lately from that time for ten years conrad followed the sea the deep sea reading all sorts of books once an officer with quarters of his own he resumed his reading of french along with the english popular works he read with the greatest veneration flaubert and maupassant with less daudet and gautier with much less pierre loti tormented with the curiosity of words even at sea on the margins of the french books he made notes for the translation of phrases 
the writer has seen several of these old books of conrad notably an annotated copy of pecheux d'islande and of course the copy of madame bovary upon the end papers and margins of which almayer's folly was begun of comrade's deep-sea life the writer proposes to say next to nothing intimately mixed up as he was with the writing of so many of conrad's sea stories he could not disentangle to his own satisfaction which version of a semi-autobiographic story like heart of darkness was the printed story which the preparation for the printed story as conrad told it to the writer which the version that conrad told for the pleasure of chance hearers and which was as it were the official autobiographic account occasionally as in his account of his meeting with roger casement on the fringe of the bush outside boma conrad would turn to the writer and say you keep that mon vieux for my biography speaking semi-jocularly however by a curious fatality during the late war the writer happened to come across a largest body of writing in the form of letters written by conrad from aboard ship to a compatriot by conrad as politician not as seaman it was precisely a body of writing since each of the letters was a sort of essay on international politics and it was curious in that it was to all intents and purposes completely uninteresting it was in a sense passionate in that it was filled with aspirations that great britain should join in one combination or another against russia she was to join germany austria france anyone so long only as she fought the bear but all these letters were written with a fluency such that had they come before the writer editorially he would at once have thrown them into the waste-paper basket it was as if lord macaulay had been writing leaders for a popular paper before that one of conrad's relatives had showed the writer a number of letters that conrad had written to the independence belge these were quite another matter admirably written intensely emotional as if pierre loti had had some heart they had in fact as is to be expected a great deal of the body and substance of heart of darkness at both of these documents however the writer did no more than glance the lady had treasured up as cuttings her nephew's correspondence and when conrad was out of the room presented the bundle to conrad's ami le poète he read them for perhaps half an hour before conrad came in again then their author exhibited so much perturbation that the writer desisted the probability is that conrad burned the bundle it was very similar with the other letters they were lent to the writer by their addressee at a time when the writer was extremely occupied he glanced at them for long enough to form the opinion expressed above and then put them away before he had had time to look at them again it occurred to him that conrad might prefer him not to read them he accordingly wrote to conrad and received the answer that conrad would extremely prefer that the letters should not be re-read and the author returned them to their owner it is to be hoped that they will not be disinterred it should not be inferred that conrad had anything to hide he disliked the writer's reading his early works out of the shyness that attends the maturity of every author 
this writer would give a good deal if the shelf in the british museum that contains his early writings could be burned and conrad would occasionally say that the idea of the writer or anyone else reading certain of the stories of the outpost of progress or even certain paragraphs of his later work caused him to have chair de poule all down his spine it is like a feeling of physical modesty however in moments more robust he would declare that the articles in the form of letters were remarkable productions he would remind the writer of his aunt's expressed opinion that those letters formed magnificent prose and in moments of depression over his then work he would declare that what he had written in french before ever trying english was infinitely above anything he could do in the inexact half-baked language that english was he put it that the idea of really writing english an english that should have an abiding value never appeared to him practical whilst he was at sea he would write essays and long letters with the idea of improving his vocabulary for social occasions then one day writing an imaginary letter to the times about some matter professional to the british mercantile marine he felt as if he had really bitten into his pen the earlier letters at which the writer glanced sufficiently confirmed this it was not that they were bad they were just glib at what moment of writing or reading on the bridge in what harbour conrad thus found the religion of english prose the writer does not remember it was probably in sydney during a period in a convalescent home it comes back that this is what conrad said but that may very well be a mistake conrad however used to say that in that convalescent home they were fed on tomatoes and milk a horrible combination occasionally also he used to say that his early work was like tomatoes and milk taken together a horrible combination he would add or of course the revelation of his powers may have come to him in rouen anyhow somewhere on the dark waters conrad found religion we had left lowestock and passed for master we made the voyage in the judea do or die actually the palestine that you find narrated in youth in the east we passed so and so many years you find the trace of them in the end of the tether to go no further outside the youth volume we commanded the congo free state navy for the sake of heart of darkness so we have the whole gamut of youth of fidelity and of human imbecility and if the writer writes we that is how it feels for it was not possible to be taken imperiously through conrad's life in those unchronological and burning passages of phraseology and not to feel even to believe that one had had oneself that experience and the feeling was heightened by conrad's affecting to believe that one had at least to the extent of knowing at all times where he had been what seen and what performed the scenes of conrad's life as afterwards rendered say in heart of darkness are really as vivid in the writer's mind from what conrad said as from what conrad there wrote it is a curious affair actually under the writer's eyes are the bright lit-up keys of a typewriter yet perfectly definitely he sees both the interior and the outside of a palm-leaf hut 
daylight shining through the interstices a man lies on the floor of the hut reaching towards a pile of condensed milk cans the man is half in shadow half conrad half the rider too tall for conrad stretched out a full eight feet trunk and arms outside an immense grey tide the other shore hardly visible a few darkish trees of irregular outline and a man coming in a planter's dress breeches leggings a flannel shirt a sombrero some time before he had lifted up the branches of the forest on the opposite shore and looked across at our hut he makes a fire and gives us some soup he comes once a fortnight we had been at the sources of the congo nearly to fashoda says the ungeographical part of our minds that once pored over a map of africa to see everywhere terra incognita in the eighties and that has never again looked at a map of africa we had belonged to the humanitarian party the humanitarian party did not approve of feeding our black troops on black prisoners the conservatives did so the conservatives had poisoned us or something the equivalent and had put our quasi corpse in charge of native bearers to take us dead or alive down to boma on the coast it was all one to the natives whether at boma they delivered us quick or dead they were paid the same half down the congo they had dumped us in a hut that was a cache for condensed milk they had gone away for a fortnight to their own village we extracted the condensed milk from the tins by suction having first pierced them with a pocket-knife the condensed milk was the very antidote for the poison the bearers black their white teeth protruding come back not displeased to find us alive not pleased astonished they carried conrad down to boma a sweltering collection of tin huts the bomese took great pains to keep you alive you must die at sea otherwise the death rate of the congo free state rises by one at boma then listless from the abominable huts we strolled out one day along the coast between the satin sea and the steaming trees a man with the sunlight on his face in white tennis shoes with two bulldogs at his heels stepped out of the dark forest he said hello he had strolled across africa from the zanzibar side in his tennis shoes with no bearers no escort but his bulldogs no arms he had such a fascination for the black fellows that was roger casement there was a great deal of light the sky blue the sea dove-coloured and oily the forest black-green a wall the beach pink the bulldogs crashed over it to sniff at our heels it was in pictures like that that the writer had conrad's life up to about the time when we engaged on the inheritors half of it came in a shyish way for biography half in pictures the result of stray anecdotes thus if one or other of us happened to be nervous from overwork and we talked of nerves conrad would say by jove after i came out of the hospital italiano and went into the city to draw some pay i was so frightened at the racket on the underground that i had to lie down on the floor of the compartment nerves all to pieces so the writer has his picture of conrad lying between the seats on the things like duckboards that used to floor the old underground carriages 
it was only by conjunctions before and after that he pieced together that conrad went into the italian hospital for seamen in london after coming back from boma and that from there he went to switzerland to the hydrotherapie near geneva in which maupassant died all to pieces as he then was he had to think of how he was going to employ the rest of his life for following the sea he imagined that he would be no longer fit when he was a little better he saw on the bookstall of geneva station those yellow volumes the sight of them and the thought of maupassant made him say by jove why not write when he had settled that he might write he had to settle in which language his writing should be there were french and english in english there were no stylists or very rare ones french bristled with them when he made the decision to write in english the writer does not know he used to say that it was in rouen harbour opposite the hotel in which emma bovary had been accustomed to meet rodolphe here looking out of his porthole across the frozen ground at the inn door he began translating phrases from the scene between rodolphe and emma at the cattle show he said that he began with rodolphe's formal phrases of romantic love that were whispered between the announcements of prizes for bullocks and so working outwards reached the blanker pages of cover title and half-title pages on these he began almayer's folly he was reading at the time daudet's jack which immensely fascinated him though he found it trop chargé as who should say too harrowing what stands in the two paragraphs above conrad told the writer over and over and over again in the sad years for europe conrad wrote a passage contradicting the statement made by someone somewhere in print that he had had to choose between writing in french or english he stated that from the first english had jumped at him and held him this was a politeness to england at a time when extravagantly patriotic pronouncements were called for from persons of foreign origin henry james imagined the beau geste of naturalizing himself as a british subject practically on his deathbed conrad this other from the national point of view it was desirable from the point of view of literary precision to be regretted for it is obvious that any one who contemplates writing and is practically bilingual must from time to time hesitate as to in which language he will write the writer has to make the choice every morning he had to make the choice on the morning after the day on which he learned of conrad's death that was a choice a little more definite than that conrad made but not much more his relations and connections in belgium certainly pressed him to write in french before he even thought of writing in english of that the writer was assured by conrad's aunt who regretted to the last that conrad chose to write in a language that rendered him inaccessible to what she considered to be the civilized world she herself wrote several novels notably for the revue des deux mondes the point is of no great importance obviously if as conrad frequently asserted the first english words that he ever heard were the verses containing the pious aspiration we fought the bear before and so we will again the russian shall not have constantinople those words might well jump at a young pole sick to take part in politics 
what is material is that conrad always knew french much better than he knew english this only enhances the glory of his achievements in our language in french he was perfectly fluent in english never abroad he was constantly taken for a frenchman no one could ever have imagined him english from his speech or bearing those points again are of no importance what is miraculous is that he took english as it were by the throat and wrestling till the dawn made it obedient to him as it has been obedient to few other men the fact is extraordinary but not incomprehensible the writer writes french better than he does english not because he knows french better but precisely because he knows french worse in english he can go gaily on exulting in his absolute command of the tongue he can write like the late mr ruskin or like the late charles garvice at will in writing but not in speaking french he must pause for a word it is in pausing for a word that lies the salvation of all writers the proof of prose is in the percentage of right words not the precious word not even the startlingly real word we once discussed for a long time whether conrad should write of a certain character's oaken resolution as a picturesque adjective oaken has its attractions you imagine a foursquare lumpish fellow inarticulate and apt to be mulish but of good conscience the writer must obviously have suggested the adjective we turned it down after a good deal of discussion the writer being against conrad for its use conrad liked its picturesqueness and was always apt to be polite to the writer's suggestions he could afford to be we decided for stolidity which is more quiet in the phrase eventually the whole sentence went the story was conrad's gaspar ruiz that is a fairly exact specimen of the way we worked during many years conrad then in rouen harbor decided that he would write books in english from that point the following episodes come back to the writer from conrad's recounted autobiography he lay for long in that port because the ship upon which he found himself as master had been seized by the sheriff's officers for debt not of course for conrad's debt the ship was one of a projected french rouen to new york line that never got beyond that one ship and that one ship lay there for a long time the financier having failed to raise capital enough there comes in here another rather curious coincidence between the career of conrad and the writer it cannot unfortunately be narrated for the moment one of the parties concerned being out of reach and probably still alive presumably however if two people knock about the world in similar districts for a number of years before acquaintanceship they will come very near touching hands several times all unconsciously gradually then conrad seemed to lose touch with the open sea there opened up more and more glimpses of shore careers so that of those relatively later days the record would seem to be one of abortive voyages thus the writer remembers with peculiar vividness a telegram coming to captain conrad telling him to assume command of a ship taking in cargo in antwerp harbour and a journey out in midwinter 
but it is only a vignette of a wintry port with icy arc lamps amongst bare trees over black water the stowing was being done all wrong the ship being a bad one to shift her cargo that was apparently why conrad had been called in whether she ever went to sea remains as a blank in the writer's mind by all accounts conrad was a very efficient master but extravagantly nervous about details all the several officers who once sailed with him have narrated the same thing to the writer conrad would indulge in extremely dangerous manoeuvres going about within knife-blades of deadly shores whilst his officers and crew shivered but over very small details of the stowing of spars and the like he would go out of his mind and swear the ship to pieces in the same way in writing he would attack subjects almost impossible and go almost mad over a sentence or in driving he would shave stone posts like a madman and then curse the stable-boy to pieces for letting him come out with the old instead of the new whip you get an account of a going about in the secret sharer it is however possible that the minuteness of detail on which according to his officers conrad so insisted on board was not so very minute there is for instance the story of the conway boy this conrad was fond of relating as an instance of the complete want of any sense of responsibility in the character of the english or at any rate of the english when young conrad had then with him on a vessel in table bay a third mate or perhaps an apprentice who had just come from the conway training ship bad weather appeared to be coming on and conrad asked the boy if he had seen the cables properly stowed the boy answered that he had the expected gale came on blowing inshore it was necessary to let go another anchor as the cable ran out one of its links jammed the writer does not profess to understand this technical detail the ship at any rate was in imminent danger owing to the neglect the sheer irresponsibility of that conway boy the conway boy at frightful risk jumped on the cable and kicked the link into place saving the ship conrad used to comment that it was unimaginable that any french boy would have neglected the supervision of that cable had he done however the impossible and so neglected he would have probably not have jumped on the cable he would have committed suicide out of shame and knowing that his career was ended it might have been better to have jumped on the cable first and then committed suicide the matter under consideration was however responsibility if then one of the officers who had sailed with conrad and afterwards talked with the writer happened as the writer strongly suspected to have been that conway boy it is not unlikely that he would enlarge on conrad's hypercritical attention to detail the people you have strafed and conrad said he strafed that boy until he precious nearly wanted to commit suicide well they take it out of you like that afterwards that is only human nature at any rate conrad by all accounts was a very admirable officer yet he hated the sea 
over and over again he related how overwhelming with his small stature he found negotiations with heavy spars stubborn cordage and black weather he used to say half raising his arms look at me how was i made for such imbecilities besides my nerves were forever on the racket and he would recount how when he had been running up the channel on a moonlit night suddenly right under the foot of the torrens there had appeared the ghostly sails of a small vessel it was he used to say something supernatural something of the sort that was always happening at sea he said it wasn't so much that his heart was in his mouth for the seconds it took that vessel to clear it remained in his mouth for months after it was there yet when he thought of it on the outward voyage of the torrens he had had as a passenger mr galsworthy going to the cape they had confided in each other shyly each of them was writing from that sprang up a friendship that was lifelong the bustle that arose in the pent when conrad opening a letter exclaimed hooray jack's coming down the mayor would have to go down to dan west's at hythe half a dozen times that day once mr galsworthy arriving at sandling junction found the trap too loaded he ran beside it all the two and a half uphill miles to the pent talking pleasantly as he trotted the writer has never seen anything so effortless for nancy went quite well long ears and all that became one of the legendary feats of the pent along with the writer's long shot at the rat it was the better performance it is a pity that there is no feat of mr robert bunteen cunningham graham's to set beside it that mighty horseman also with a letter announcing a visit could wake up the studious pent as a junction springs into life at the coming of a great mail train conrad had very good friends other departures from the sea of which conrad liked to talk and which the writer could never chronologically disentangled were his caretaking of a warehouse on the thames beside one of the bridges london bridge probably and his floating with mr fountain hope of a south african gold mine why conrad should have found the superintending of a warehouse that transhipped tinned meat attractive the writer does not know or perhaps he does at any rate conrad talked of that time with enthusiasm as a period of fun he had been found the job whilst waiting for a ship by a friend with a name like krieger with whom he afterwards lost contact occasionally conrad would ask what's become of krieger they enjoyed themselves together in a jack-ashore way going to the royal aquarium in the evenings or sitting on barrels in the tobacconist shop just near finchurch street station a great place to hear of a ship once when we were going to see captain hope another good friend of conrad's at stamford le hope conrad pointed out to the writer marks that he alleged his feet had kicked in that tobacconist's counterfront no doubt other sea captains awaiting ships had borne their part in finchurch street and particularly in the station conrad was a different man with his echoes the gloomy light framed him very appropriately truculences came into his voice he knew all the bars and became at once the city man gentleman adventurer with an eye for a skirt that hadn't disturbed the dust that twenty years 
he had to have from that tobacconist a handful of cigars he who never smoked anything but innumerable half-cigarettes from year's end to year's end lighting up and almost immediately throwing away to light up again there is no station like fenchurch street on the road to tilbury conrad could tell you where every husky ear-ringed fellow with under his arm a blue white-spotted handkerchief was going to it most impressed the writer that in the station barber's shop was a placard that read teeth scaled two shillings extraction sixpence to come home from the great waters to that in that mood must have been conrad's city adventure it was perhaps the third fortune that he lost he a mr hope and a brother mr hope may well correct the details this is the saga told in fenchurch street do you know the story of grunbaum who asked klosterholm is it true the story that i hear that solomon's made forty thousand dollars in st louis in the retail clothing trade well replies klosterholm the story is true it's the details is wrong it wasn't in st louis but in chicago it wasn't in the retail trade but in the wholesale it wasn't forty thousand dollars but a hundred and forty thousand it wasn't his money but mine and he didn't make it he lost it conrad then mr hope and a brother had staked out in the south african gold fields a claim to about a third of what is now the de beers mine they came to london to float a company at the time of the boom in south african their solicitor to begin with with all the deeds was lost in the kinfons castle before they could get others the boom was on the decline by the time they were ready for flotation the bottom dropped out of the market one of the blackmailing bucket shopkeepers who seem indispensable as members of the british and all other parliaments turned his attention to conrad and company he demanded money as the price of a good report in his blackmailing sheet the adventurers told him to go to hell the prospectus of their mine was printed by the same firm as printed the blackmailing sheet when the prospectus came out the little red patch on the map that should have showed the conrad hope property was well away in the territory of another company the blackmailer in his sheet jubilantly pointed out that the mine must be bogus they went nevertheless to flotation conrad used to describe how having issued their perspective on the day of flotation they sailed the thames jubilant in a steam launch with cigars champagne plovers eggs in aspic god knows what they were to step ashore millionaires they stepped ashore to find the flotation a disastrous failure only one hundred and eighty some fabulously small number of shares had been subscribed by the public that was conrad's last commercial venture whether he telegraphed again to his uncle he never said let us imagine for a moment's pause what would have become of british literature if that flotation had succeeded for conrad was certainly a magnificent businessman of the imaginative type it might well have been park lane instead of the pent for conrad hated writing more than he hated the sea le vrai métier de chien end of section six